continue a time of testimony. We have a, a special guest with us here today. Pat, come on up. And uh, he's here with his wife, Debbie, correct? And uh, a, a few of the old timers may recognize the name Pat Connolly, maybe. Possibly. <laughs> uh, Pat, tell us about your connection to First Baptist Church. Well, I first came to First Baptist when I was in second grade. It's been a few years ago. Uh, then we moved out to the Custer area. Then I came back here when I was in high school. And uh, do you remember the pastor at that time? Pastor Schroyer was a pastor then. All right. And when you were in second grade? Well, oh, the, right Ralph was just getting ready to go. Yes, That's he what was it was. Ready. That's right. R- Ralph and Margie were just getting ready to go to the field. And uh, Pat, what are you doing these days? Where do you live? And maybe tell us a little bit about your family. Okay, well, if you haven't seen me, there's a reason. Uh, We've been in Florida since 1968. Uh, I'm up here for my 50th class reunion. But to be honest, I was looking forward to being here this Sunday. Very good. And uh, Pat, I'm going to turn it over to you. And uh, please share what the Lord has put on your heart for you. Sometimes when we're in church, we don't realize the impact that we have on other people. I'm sure there were a lot of the people here when I was young that had no idea the impact they had on my life. And maybe that's the way it's supposed to be. Because it keeps you on your, on your toes and you have to pay attention. This was not only my 50th class reunion... This next month was 50 years that I was baptized in this church. And at the time, I sang a special, which I discovered later was the first time we'd had a special with a guitar. (laughs) But I lived through that. Um, That was the summer that after I graduated and the Lord and I had a meeting of of the minds. His mind was a lot more than mine. And I didn't understand what was going on. Uh, He led me into that. He led me from there down to Multnomah School of the Bible for a while, and then on from there, and I couldn't find any reason behind this. But I did find a verse that let me realize what was going on, and it's found in Isaiah. And it says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, and my ways are far, far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as heaven is far higher than the earth, So my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And I had to remind myself of this quite a bit because I really couldn't see where we were going. I learned later it wasn't important whether I understood it or not, as long as I was willing to follow. So as time went on, I got involved in in the church, and my wife and I taught Sunday school, and we sang in the choir. We worked with a church camp. I sang in a gospel group that went around North Florida for a while. In the meantime, I'm working a job with a big container shipping company. But we learned that you can say, Lord, what do you have for me? And he'll show you something, but he won't push anything on you. So we started praying, Lord, what else do you have for me? Now, I will caution you when you do this. (laughs) Don't be surprised. It may not be something you're comfortable with. It wasn't for us. We've been praying like this for about three months, and we read the article. It was in the local paper about the 
local chapter of the Christian Motorcycle Association that was ministering to the motorcycle people. And I thought, that's tremendous. I'm glad somebody does that. At the time, the only time I was on a motorcycle is if I worked on somebody's to test ride it. My lovely wife had never sat on a motorcycle. She had never driven anything but an automatic car. So this was far the same from our mind. So we muddled around with it while the Lord kept beating us over the head with what he wanted. And we finally did what Christians often do when the Lord brings a leading to him. We argued with him for about two months. And then we reluctantly got involved dragging our feet. I can honestly say it's been the biggest blessing in our life. We've been involved with this ministry for 28 years now. The primary focus is to bring the love of Jesus to the motorcycle community. All the motorcycle community. From the best to the worst, no matter where they are. You'll find there are CMA people in every state in the U.S. and 31 countries around the world. We've been fortunate to be able to go over to Ireland and work with the people over there. But we also show up at Daytona Bike Week to talk to the people down there because all the people are looking for something to do. And just about the time I thought, well, this is comfortable and and I'm good, it was, what else do you have, Lord? And then we started doing a lot of music at the different rallies and then it turned out that they would have a camp out and they'd say, well, we want to do a service. Would you do a service here? Now, it's nothing as clean and relaxed as you have in here. It's outside, and it can be pretty pretty hot in Florida or pretty cold, depending. Over the years, I did services for these people, and then I had one couple come and said, we want to get married in Daytona Bike Week. Can you do it? I said, absolutely not. I can't. I can't do a wedding. Then I found out in Florida, if you're a notary public, you can do a wedding. So... I got my notary, but then I wrote my own services. And I would tell them I will do the wedding if I can have a prayer, if I can tell you what God says about marriage, and God will be in the service. Otherwise, I won't do it. And I've never had anybody say no. All the way from the classy people to the not-so-classy people. Also found out a lot of these people aren't in church. So when they have something come up that's disastrous, whether it be an illness, an injury in the hospital, or a death, they have no place to turn. So I would get a call, would you? Because we don't have anybody. And it's nice to help people. It's nice to deal with them and be able to share the comfort that God has for us. But that wasn't all that God had in in this thing. I was getting comfortable with all this, and thought, well, I asked him. He didn't really give me anything. Then I had the occasion to do a funeral, and the funeral home was not happy to see me. Basically, it was because it wasn't one of their chaplains, and they couldn't get any money for it. But it was a, a real hassle, and I had to stand there and watch the family and the funeral home argue it out before it was over. So when that was over, I went to our pastor, and I said, you know, I don't need this kind of hassle when I'm trying to help people. You know, do you think maybe the church could license me? And he says, oh, yeah, we'll be glad to. This on a Sunday night. And I thought, well, that's easy. He said, talk to me Wednesday after Bible study. 
And so we went to talk to him Wednesday after Bible study. And he said, you know, the staff and I have been praying this week, and we decided we don't want to license you. We would like to license and ordain you. Is that okay? So that was 11 years ago. And it's been amazing what the doors that God has opened since then, not just with the motorcycle community, but with other churches. Would you come and share? Right now, part of our ministry we have is with, we call it a biker fellowship. We meet twice a a month, and we're there for people who have grown up with religion and got tired of it. Or, sadly, people in the motorcycle community who have gone to a church and the church has come up and said, uh, we'd rather you didn't come here. So what we do is we let them know that it's about a relationship with Jesus. And then I say, well, what part of town do you live in? And after this many years, I know the churches that are welcoming and not, and we'll get them involved in a church. It's, a, it's an exciting time when you see what God can do. And just about the time I get focused on all the motorcycle things, two years ago I had a little church come and said, listen, we're going to do a, our first Easter sunrise service. I said, well, that's great. Yeah, would you preach it? Sometimes it's unsettling when somebody walks in, well, aside from the fact when you have 18, 20 motorcycles pull up in your parking lot and you the, see these people walking in black leather and boots. Uh, had somebody say, you can always tell where the heart of a church is when that happens. But the thing we need to realize is that everybody needs Jesus. And he loves everybody. And if you're sitting next to one of these people and you close your eyes, they're just like you. But like I said, you, you never know the effect you have on the people here. I wish I was able to go back and talk to the people that were here when I was growing up. Say, see the difference you made? Even when I was in Bible college, I really didn't realize what I had learned until several years afterwards. But the nice thing is we never stop growing. I, I continue to get excited about what the Lord does. We've got two sons. My wife learned to ride a motorcycle. And in the summer, we would travel for three weeks at a time. She taught school. I had plenty of vacation. And we called them our mission trips. But we didn't say, Lord, bring us to somebody. Instead, we said, Lord, bring them to us. That way I couldn't wiggle out of the way. And we'd stop for gas and be there 45 minutes or stop for a camp Side at night, and it might take us two or three hours to get to our campsite. But it was neat. To see people, talk one-on-one to people. Both our boys grew up in their youth pastors now, which is a blessing. I think that had a lot to do with it. But I would caution you never to say, Lord, I can't. Because he's not going to ask you to if he won't take you through it. So always be willing to let the love of Jesus fill your heart so that when you smile at someone or when you tell someone good morning, it could make the biggest difference in your life and you may never know. But that's the excitement about living for God. So this church will always be special. 
Ralph and Margie are very special. See what kind of happiness you can put in someone's life this week. That's our heart that uh, 50 years from now, some young people will be here saying the same thing. And uh, thank you, Pat, for sharing and sharing your heart and encouraging us as well. Uh, I'm going to call the Peru team up now. And Helen and Mariah, come on up as well. We're going to continue some time of testimony this morning. Um, uh, I, I apologize for having to uh, hear me so much this morning. This is what happens when uh, the other elder who doesn't have a full-time job is sick and, and I'm the only guy on summer vacation. The others have full-time jobs, so you get, uh, you get a lot of my voice this morning. That's all right. Uh, I'm going to start with Mariah. Mariah, come over here. And uh, This is my daughter, Mariah. And if, if you're brand new here this morning, uh, this, this group of five and two people from Grace Baptist Church in in Bellingham, went for a two-week trip down to, to Lima, Peru. Um, uh, we'd, we shared quite a few pictures and some stories on Wednesday night, and we'd like to just give you a, give you a little taste for how, for how that was and hopefully encourage you as well. Um, Mariah, I'm going to start with you because is it correct that you didn't really want to go? That is correct. Yes, and uh, you had a, a few fears about what might happen to you in Peru. Can you tell us? Maybe a little about that? Yes. Um, I was, yes, I was very nervous about going to Peru. I decided that when I went to Peru, I was going to be very miserable. I was going to get sick, and then I was going to starve, and then I was going to get kidnapped and then die. <laughs> and that's not much of an exaggeration, is it? Uh, she, 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 that's right. Uh, Obviously, you didn't die, so yes. that part didn't happen. Uh, how, how about the rest of it? Did it turn out that way? Yes. No, it did turn out that way at all. It was very great. Um, the food was actually very good. I liked the food. Um, yes, it was a great time. We had lots of fun. Excellent. Um, and you had fun playing with kids. You had yes. fun on a lot of the different activities. Uh, but it wasn't all great. Uh, some guy that went with you, whose name is Jim, told you you had to share your testimony. Is that right? Yes, he did. And uh, how'd, how'd that go for you? Yes, it went okay, but I was not excited about it. I just didn't see how my testimony could relate to any of those girls. We, they had horrible things happen to them, and my testimony, just growing up in a Christian home, and I just didn't think it would work, you know. And... Uh, you did it, though, and, and yes. how, how did that go? It, it, yes. This is at one of the orphanages we visited, an uh, orphanage that had mostly girls and teenage girls and, and some of them with, with young children as well. Yes, it went great. Um, yeah, it was great. <laughs> Very good. Thank you, Mariah. Thanks for being available and uh, being obedient to your father, even when you didn't want to. <laughs> this is... This is my oldest son, Jeb, and uh, Jeb, you were kind of the opposite. You were excited to go and ready to share, and so how'd it go sharing your testimony? I didn't. Oh, you didn't. Oh, man. And, uh, and Jeb, your experience was a little different because the rest of us stayed in the hostel, and, and it wasn't 
I don't know how many stars we'd give it, not very many stars, but it was comfortable and clean, and, and we were, ha had the availability to go out to eat and, and uh, enjoy some time there. But you actually lived with the missionary we were visiting, Fivos. Correct. And uh, you shared a bedroom with uh, another 16-year-old, Rudolfo. Yep. And uh, so, so, Jeb, tell us, uh, just tell us a little bit about, uh, you didn't get to share your testimony there. Give us a brief, maybe, uh, explanation of how God used your time in Peru and the things that he's doing in your life, what was kind of important for you in that? Um, I felt like Peru was just a new lesson, a new experience every single day. Uh, just lots of new stuff to think about. Um, I was hoping, uh, I, I felt like before Peru, I'm learning a lot, studying a lot, and was hoping to go to Peru and share and do more that way, but uh, I felt like it was really a trip of learning more for me, partly because it was hard to communicate with the boys, and some of them didn't want to communicate all the time. Uh, the first couple of days there, Jeb, Jeb very much wanted Fivos to translate for him, and he wanted me to be able to hang out in the evenings and, and help with the interaction. Uh, that didn't work out, so you spent a lot of time just sitting on the couch with some boys. Correct. And, uh, and you are someone who likes to go deep and likes to talk about spiritual things, but you couldn't do that. Nope. Um, how'd that go just in the relationship with those boys? Did you feel like your time just being patient and living in their world was profitable? Or? Absolutely. Yeah. I was very surprised how much went on without words. Right, and I was very comfortable to give a gift to Rodolfo at the end of the week, and he was very appreciative. And I was Oscar, who typically wouldn't wouldn't uh, be affectionate, was affectionate as I left, and it was great. Yeah. Thank you, Jeb. Uh, Fivos commented very early on in that, that, that his boys, the experiences they have been through makes them very guarded and protected of themselves. And uh, um, even though he couldn't communicate well, Jeb could live in their world, and that did have an impact on those relationships. Uh, Helen, you and I are kind of on the other end of the spectrum, have traveled overseas a lot and had a lot of experiences. And uh, did you learn anything new, or were there any challenges for you? Well, I learned that, um, you know, before we went, I had my fears. This was my fourth time to Peru, but this time I had six other people with me that uh, a lot of them had never been overseas. They were young, so I had my fears about the success of the trip. Of course, I've learned to trust in the Lord because he always says, be still, I am God. So I let myself... Uh, free of my fears, and I trusted in him, and I saw how he took care of us. And no one lost their money, their passport, uh, you know, their phones, their luggage, everything went very smoothly, because I've traveled a lot, and always someone loses their suitcase, or it doesn't come to the airport when it's supposed to. So we had no incidents. We didn't have transportation, but God provided 
taxis and vans for us. We would just pray for a van so we could all travel together in one car because there were seven of us and sometimes more. And a van would show up in front of us out of nowhere. So we, by trusting him, I was able to experience his marvelous provision and how to, he takes care of us. And I learned my lesson that if we make ourselves available to him, for his helping hand, then he will come through. But if we rely on ourselves, then nothing happens. And that's what a lot of us go through life, never trusting him totally, so we don't see the blessings. So that was, he reassured me that that's the way to go, trusting him. Thank you, Helen. We're going to let Jeb, Mariah, and Helen sit down. Um, uh, I'm going to turn the mic over to Raul, and, and uh, Raul, I'll give you a chance to, sh- to share a couple of the stories and some things that, that God did in, in your heart. All right, I have a lot to share, but I'm just going to share a little bit. We share a little bit in a connection meeting last Wednesday. Um, first, I'm just like Mariah. You know, I didn't want to go. Um, and part of it is because, you know, sometimes we get so attached to God's blessings, which is our kids, family, and everything, my job. And um, when Helen asked me, God has put in my heart that you, you that, that, to ask you to come and join us for the Peru. I mean, like me, and I'm like, yeah, you're the only one who speaks Spanish. I mean, like, okay, I don't have a choice. <laughs> so I want to say thank you for giving me the uh, opportunity. Uh, um, even somebody uh, uh, anonymously uh, remains anonymously provided for my, my ticket to go there, which it was a blessing. I couldn't have afforded that. And, uh, but thank you for allowing us to have meals, transportation, uh, and many other different things that were involved in the whole trip. Um, we had a plan. Our plan going there was uh, uh, to see uh, Feeble's ministry, which was one of the things I think Jim uh, shared on Wednesday. Um, you can ask us more about that ministry later because uh, I can go and go over and over. So, but it's great. Uh, it's a, it was a great thing to get to see the ministry he's doing. It's a great thing to live in this country. I'm very honest with you. I grew up in El Salvador, and I think my mom kept me in the good places and all that. I was really blessed. I was a puppy and mommy's son. And I was never in places like the places we visited in Peru. So it was a blessing uh, to be reminded of the privilege we have to live in this country. Just to be able to drink water in the water fountain. You know, um, you put in the papers the, on the toilet, the seat thing. All, so many things that we take for granted. And just coming back is one of those things that, wow, God is good. And I said that because I got sick, by the way. <laughs> and uh, Mariah didn't get sick. She didn't say that. All the guys got sick, but the girls didn't get sick. I don't know what that was. So maybe we were eating more, like, manly stuff. I don't know. So God is good, and we survived so far. <laughs> so as I mentioned earlier, um, Part of the ministry was to go work with the kids and, you know, um, see what uh, Phoebus is doing, all the people, uh, walking with Phoebus in these very difficult places. It was like having immunity. A lot of people, they knew Phoebus. Everybody knew Phoebus. And uh, believe me, I was just the first night we were walking. Are we walking here at 9 o'clock at night? I was like, oh, my gosh. And there was a group of people, but everybody, hi, Phoebus, hi, Phoebus. It was such a blessing. Such a blessing, though, even the taxi drivers wanted to take us to some of those places. And we saw them. We tried to stop uh, 
taxi drivers and they would just shake their, their head after we told them where we're going and they would just keep going. So it's a dangerous place, even the hostile place. They told us, you guys going there? So they steal and everything. It's a very difficult place. There is a lot of drug and alcohol and prostitution, and that's why there is a lot of kids. Uh, so that's the ministry the Feebles is working on. Um, but the ministry that we couldn't see was to meet people like, uh, well, this is Peru. You already saw some of those pictures. Beautiful beaches and everything. I don't remember being that sunny, Jim. What happened? It was overcast most of the, di- the, the time, so... That might not be one of our pictures. It was really dark. <laughs> um, these are the kids we went to see, the ministry. You know, they are playing with whatever they find. Um, it's like puppies on the street, you know, while parents are doing their thing. So I'm leaving my kids behind, and I say, oh, Lord, here we go. And boom, the first thing is see these poor little uh, babies, these kids, you know, and I was just bawling the whole time. And uh, until Helen reminded me of the ministry, it was such a blessing uh, to be part of them. And, you know, they love you, they hug you, um, and it was great. But the other part of the ministry we didn't foresee was the hostel. We got to meet uh, the the people who owns that place. It was a house. It's like a bed and breakfast, if you never heard that hostel word. I never heard it before. Um, but anyways, it was a bed and breakfast. They made breakfast for us, and it was great. Uh, delicious food. Um, they work hard. They got up at the time we asked them to get up, and they took care of us. But there was another need, which was a spiritual need. It was one of the main needs that we were trying to go there for. They being uh, having difficulty with their church and different things that have been taken in different directions. And we were able to provide uh, support with Jim. Um, I have I'm, I'm trying to talk with these people, and my lack of, you know, I, I, I still consider myself a young a puppy, you know, in the Lord. And I have James here praying the whole time next to me. And I said, Jim, don't go away. I need you. I need you. So there was Jim praying the whole time, and I was just sharing. So it was a great thing. Um, they, uh, at the end of the trip, they sent their kids with us to see the ministry we're doing. That was such a blessing. Uh, even the kids were surprised at the places where we're going. So, and uh, also, were, they felt very encouraged. They went to the church we went to visit, and they were so, you know, we call it, they were pumped to keep going for the Lord. So, that was a great thing. They shared the testimony that night. Um, they shared a uh, testimony with me, and, and it was such a blessing. I was able to share my testimony. And then people kept coming every night, different people. And there are some missionaries here, and then they will come and chat with us. It was such a blessing. Um, the Lord put in my heart, the part they're leaving is the bed and breakfast, the hostel, or uh, they have a little restaurant. The main freezer broke, real expensive, and they were just sharing all these. I can't believe it. Thankfully, somebody from our church anonymously uh, gave some uh, funds um, unexpectedly, and one of the things was whatever God put in my eyes, and God put that, and we gave him very little. And they were able to get by. We also buy, we bought Bibles with that money. We bought 168 Bibles, and we have uh, children's Bibles. We gave a little bit of, I mean, I say a little bit because the need is great. But we provided food for three orphanages. And also, we did other type of ministry. We said we want to bless a family. And um, there was somebody told us that somebody had a water leak in the roof. As you can see, they don't have a roof. So it was, uh, they used whatever they could find. 
And this is the family. Remind me, Helen, what was her name? Gladys. Uh, Gladys, her son next to me, he used to do drugs. And he's clean. And he wants to uh, finish his education. And he wants to live for the Lord. He says he is there to support his mom. The older kids who live in the house, they are not in good ways. Some of them are drugs. Some of them are doing all the things they shouldn't be doing. And our prayer is we bless them with the roof, some of the roof. And our prayer was, uh, you know, I told Jim, you know, we should be praying that fire comes from heaven. Just burn this place. But that's not the love of Christ. The love of Christ is like, why are they doing this for us? And this is one of the places taxi drivers didn't want to take us. And it was such a blessing to walk, to get to know them, to see their heart for their family, to be servants of God. So here we go. We went to buy roofing material. We unfortunately didn't have enough time. So they promised us that they were going to start working as soon as possible. We were even suspicious that probably we were going to sell the stuff because they need money. But no, they did work and they installed their roof. That was such a blessing. We were so shocked when we got there and saw this. And it was beautiful. So... Um, Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 says, Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. And, we, and, and then it says, do good especially to, to everybody, to all, especially to those of the faith. And that's what we're doing with Lewis. That's what we're doing with this lady who is faithful to the Bible study. And this is an unexpected ministry. And our time going to the orphanage, which was part of the ministry that we had, uh, we got to meet taxi drivers. And one of the greatest experiences... Uh, trying to be as fast as possible. Uh, we went to a city called uh, Via Maria. We were trying to find transportation there. The taxi driver couldn't take us. And um, so Helen was uh, praying. She was in the, in the sidewalk saying, guys, guys, pray for a big taxi. Guys, pray. And I was like, come on, Helen. But then I was praying. You know, I was like, okay, Lord, give us a big taxi. And then and Helen kept insisting. Lord, give us a taxi. Lord, give us a taxi that we can all fit. Because every once in a while, most of the time, we took two taxis. Um, and then one taxi driver would get lost. And there was no communication. We didn't have cell phones. So it was text, stuff like that. And then by the grace of God, he was always there with us. Like that son was saying, he was faithful. And we got to the same place. Now, there was an occasion that one taxi driver saw the other taxi driver. And he said, hey, I left him over there. There was two occasions like that. So it was definitely from the Lord. So anyways, here we are in this place. Traffic is out of control, but everybody knows what they're doing. And, he, and we said, well, we're going to take a bus. And we pulled this bus that was going. And I asked him, are, we, are you guys going to Via Maria? And I said, well, we're not going exactly. We're going to go there. And I'm like, no, I told Helen, we cannot, take, we cannot do that. Because that's cheaper, but that was going to be the fastest way to get there at this point. So there is a lady who is sitting on the back, and she said, where are you guys going, Via Maria? Oh, I'm going to that same place. And I was like, really? Oh, we're going to this ministry. The feeble's help with a ministry called Remar. So I'm going, oh, I know where that is. Come on over. So here we go. All of us jump in the bus, not knowing where we're going, and we're following this lady. She was going to school for, med- uh, for a doctor, and it was such a blessing. She guided us to the right place. We get off the bus, and then we needed to take another bus. And there is Helen's taxi. It just showed up. 
And I was like, I'm pulling, there's a taxi. And I pulled this taxi over. And then she's like, no, that's no public transportation. No, it's okay. And we're asking, how much it charges to go there? And they told us. And then she's like, oh, that's too expensive, the lady. And we're like, no, don't worry about it. That's good. And we all jump in there. And we took this lady with us. And we built relationship with the taxi driver. I, uh, Helen asked me to tell him if he can pick us up later. He picked us up at 6 o'clock. He was always late. But he was there. So, on the contrary, uh, there was another taxi driver that we had first, but uh, he had other commitments that he was always early. But he was always kind of like trying to get to different places on time and all that. So, on my way back, going home, going to the hostel, uh, the taxi driver picked us up and I was able to share my testimony. He asked us what we're doing here. We told him we're working with kids and all that. We're supporting a missionary. And then he opened up, and he started sharing about his son, that he was in drugs, and he ended up in a Christian camp. And now his son is trying to walk with the Lord. And it was such a blessing to hear that. And I told him, his name is Italo. And I told him, Italo, uh, I told him, have you ever received Christ as your Lord and Savior? Did you know that? Can you see that all this is happening because God loves you? And we were getting to the hostel when I had finished. He, he has suffering with diabetes, so you can pray for him. He's a teacher, a fifth grade teacher, and he cannot go to work. So uh, he was losing everything. He, they lost the, this vehicle, and where they borrowed money. And two days before we met him, he was able to get on the street and do taxi job. So it was just from the Lord. So And then he's getting all this job. We provided some, um, you know, work for him and uh when we pull over i tell everybody in the back because i never stopped talking june said that before i was always talking and and you know i my intention is to meet somebody is not to just make a i mean i meet you because i want to know more about you i want to have a relationship but in my mind i have i need to share christ i need to share christ i need to share christ give me give me a room if it's your will so we pull over we're in front of the hostel and i tell everybody he's gonna accept the lord guys pray and then everybody starts praying in the back of the taxi. Hell, like everybody's just quiet. And I get the opportunity to share with the Lord. And I say, Italo, have you, do you want to receive Christ? And you, do you want to confess and, you know, with your mind, believe in your heart? The Bible says that. And he said, yes, I want to. It was such a blessing. We were all rejoicing. <laughs> we got off the taxi. And the beautiful thing, you know, then later on we gave him a Bible. He shared a Bible with his son. They were so excited for what God is going to do. But God reminded me. Uh, it says, do you not say, I'm um, um, sorry, I, I think it comes, oh yeah, do you not say, there are yet four months and then comes the harvest. This is John chapter 4, verse 35. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields that they are white for harvest. Already he who reaps is receiving wages in, uh, and is gathering fruit for life eternal. So that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this case, the saying is true. One sows and another reaps. I send, uh, I send you to reap that for which you have not labor. Others have labor and you have entered into their labor. And I have another scripture. It's talking about the harvest is ready. You know the scripture. And I want to leave you this scripture. It says Colossians chapter 3 verse 4, 1 and 4. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. 
For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. I had to go all the way from here. I had to deny myself. I had to deny. I said, Lord, we can die on the plane. We travel for 36 hours. And I made myself available. And God gave us the privilege to bring this man, Italo, from far away just to come and cut the fruit and bring him to him. Somebody had water, had been planted. And I said, what a blessing. I just came to cut the apple. Isn't that a blessing? And everything is because we deny, if we deny your, our flesh, if I make myself available, he will use you. And we come so refreshed. And that's what we didn't even talk about what we we're going to share exactly. And the whole encouragement is we need to make ourselves available because God is at work. He's at work around you. And sometimes we're so focused in our lives and everything that we miss this privilege to be part of that blessing. I just want to wrap up with a, a few quick thoughts and uh, a, a verse or two for you. Um, maybe some themes that you can take out of here. I know that uh, these aren't your stories. They're our stories, and they're going to slip quickly from your minds. Um, but, but I hope you will hold these themes with you. Um, number one, I think maybe most importantly, is that God's Word must be a daily part of your life. Uh, the people in Peru are hungry for God's Word. And, uh, and we experienced that in several different ways. Um, Jeb, because of his schedule and time, got to spend more time in God's Word and got to build on that foundation. Uh, Raul and I were challenged because of the busyness of our schedule. We didn't have as much time to do that, and we, were, we felt the effect of that. Uh, we could not have gone probably longer than two weeks because it was go, go, go. And uh, God's Word is foundational. It guides us. It changes us. And if we're not spending time in God's Word, um, the only other possibility is that we're going to have a weak faith, that, uh, that our obedience to God will be weak. Matthew 4, Jesus himself said these words, very famous, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Um, I want to encourage us here, First Baptist Church in Ferndale, that we take God's word seriously, that uh, we feed ourselves with it. Another major theme from our trip was prayer. Several people have mentioned that. Um, and uh, again, prayer is so vital. It is powerful. It works. When we are persistent in, in uh, taking our requests before the Lord, um, he is faithful in answering those. And I want to challenge you to think a little bit different. Uh, Raul will share that. And, uh, to, take, to take prayer and, and try and incorporate it into every part of your day. First uh, Thessalonians says it simply. Maybe the, the second shortest verse in the Bible, it simply says, never stop praying. Three words. Uh, how, how do we do that? Uh, I'm making it my goal that as I'm driving down the road and driving through my neighborhood that I'm going to pray for my neighbor's house that I'm driving by. When I interact with somebody, I need to say a quick prayer and ask God that he will lead in these situations. Um, we need to pray. And thirdly, that we're available. 
Uh, I don't, I have a bunch of scripture, but I'm going to cut it down to maybe just one. Matthew, again, chapter 16, Jesus' words again. He said to his disciples, If any of you want to be my followers, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Somehow, uh, traveling to Peru made that a little more real and, and maybe a little easier than it is here at home. But that's our challenge to do that here in Ferndale. Not to be caught up in, in the worldly delusion of happiness and that the things of this world can satisfy in any way, but to make ourselves available, whatever that means. And that's going to be different for every single person. All right. Um, final questions for you. Was it worth $7,000 plus to send some people to Peru so that Italo could be saved? Was it worth that? Closer to home, though, is it worth sacrificing our own time so that that can happen here in Ferndale? Is it worth having the kind of attitude and open door that lets the bikers walk in? Is it worth having a mess made in our church or something broken? Is it, is it worth the inconvenience to bring people to the Lord? Because the reality is you have to do it. Life is going to get messy when you get involved in people's lives. Um, that's our heart and our goal for this church. That's, uh, that's what we want this place to be. And uh, I want to close in prayer. And I'd ask you just to, to consider this morning what God wants for you. How does he want you to be available to a neighbor, somebody that lives near you? Is it a coworker? Is it some family member? Who is it in your life that God wants you to be available for to let him work through you? Heavenly Father, thank you for your presence here with us this morning. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for being great and mighty, the ruler of the universe, and yet a person who cares about each child and each person. Across this globe, Lord. Father, give us here in Ferndale a greater desire to be part of the harvest. Help us to spend time in your word to equip ourselves, Lord, to know you better and to be ready to share the good news of who you are and what you have done. Thank you for this service where we can uh, come together. We pray that we would go from these doors, Lord, encouraged and uh, renewed in our commitment to follow you. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, if you notice on your way out, this was a tradition that uh, Pastor Ralph did many years ago. Uh, my kids hung a few signs on the exit doors and uh, looked for a piece of green paper hanging over whichever door you go out. And, uh, and I hope that will remind and encourage you of, of what we're doing and where we're going.